So we come to this passage, which I'm sure is uh, familiar to all of you in the room, uh, John chapter 3. And uh, yet we're just starting our Lenten journey. I wonder why our lectionary brings it in here. Well, my take on that one is uh, we've had that reading from uh, Abraham, haven't we, Genesis? Uh, (coughs) We're picking up here, Jesus Jesus is picking up the path of promise given to Abraham. A time is coming when the blessing will go to all nations. But in case you hadn't noticed, it's got a bit stuck in the Jews for a couple of thousand years. Uh, And uh, uh, as it were, Nicodemus comes as a symbol of this moment of decision, particularly for the religious leaders. Uh, uh, Which way are they going to go over the Messiah, over Jesus, who is about to break open the good news of the gospel, not just for the Jews, but for the whole world? And this conversation is absolutely key to that parting of the ways, really, and which way Nicodemus will go and which way each one of us will go. So it's at the heart of that new change of direction, the spiritual life that Jesus came to bring for everyone. Why is this such an important passage and such an important message? As you've uh, noticed, I'm sure, many times, Jesus doesn't mess about when Nicodemus comes along and says says to him, we know you're a good teacher, So I'm sure you must have something important to say. And he basically says, yes, I have. You must be born again if you want to enter the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus is kind of flawed because he doesn't really know what he's talking about. Uh, But uh, as I say, I'm sure we are familiar with his message. And I'm going to suggest that uh, uh, there are three key key things to this message, which is radical and new, uh, that Nicodemus doesn't quite get. Uh, The first is, uh, the emphasis is shifting, it's not, it's not completely so, from the corporate religion of Israel to a personal decision, a personal relationship. That's why, chapter 3, verse 7, uh, Jesus kind of says it very clearly, not just to, oh, this is what the kind of way we should all go. It's saying, Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must be born again. Don't pass the buck to somebody else. You must make your own decision. You must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. So if it's true for Nicodemus, it's true for everybody. Everybody needs to know that they must be born again. Secondly, it's, it's now more, we might say, inclusive. I've hinted at that. Uh, we come to the end of this passage when he said, well, you don't really get this, uh, some of you. But now this is the summary that John puts in for... Now, uh, John 3.16, that famous verse, no, I've forgotten it now, well, yes, it's where it goes, isn't it? <laughs> For God so loved the world that the next, he gave his only begotten son, that, what's the next word? Yeah. Whoever. I think the old King James was whomsoever. Yes. <laughs> so whomsoever believes in him, not just those are kind of submitted to the Jewish law and system, but a time is coming now when it's a whomsoever. It's inclusive for anyone and everyone into the modern world. That includes Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, atheists, anybody. It's whomsoever will believe. It's inclusive. Uh, But thirdly, and this is the bit that Nicodemus particularly struggles with, (coughs) what Jesus is bringing is really much more supernatural than they've been used to. Uh, It's been suggested that Nicodemus was rather one-dimensional in his thought. Um, most of us in the 21st century are instinctively one-dimensional in our thought, which is a way of saying 
we're happy to do with the material things we can see around us and what science might <coughs> suggest or tell us about that. But anything that's <coughs> beyond proof, we kind of, well, we can't, don't know about that. Anything that's beyond what can be seen and apprehended with our five senses, well, it might not even be there. So we're kind of pretty one-dimensional, if you get, get the point. Um, uh, Nicodemus uh, does not get it when Jesus says, you must be born again. Um, if you remember your Greek, of course, you all know the Greek for this. <coughs> Uh, the word anathen is uh, one of these words. How do you translate it? Is it, what is it? Is it born again? Well, no, actually, it could be born from above. I don't know which is the best translation. But it is both born again and born from above. And that's the bit that Nicodemus doesn't get. He said, well, uh, born again? I can't go back into my mother's womb and be born again. That doesn't make any sense. And Jesus says, I'm not talking about earthly things. You don't seem to get it. Uh, verse, uh, verse 12, where is it? I spoke to you of earthly things, you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? He says we need to be born from above. Because uh, uh, he's come down. No one's ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven. The Son of Man. He's making it much clearer. He's come from above to give birth from above. And uh, how, to just to kind of to root that as best you can, uh, in, uh, in this new message that's coming. Well, what does that mean? How does that work? Well, how does it come from above? It's not it, it's he comes from above. We must be born of water and the Spirit. And this is what he focuses on, being born of the Spirit. And uh, <coughs> I, I always think in this passage, um, we <coughs> get, we, there's well-known phrases about being born again and entering the kingdom of God. But uh, I like the, um, the little verse which says, flesh gives birth to flesh and spirit gives birth to spirit. Because to me that makes it so clear and it's like, oh yeah, duh, why didn't we get that before? <laughs> because God, is he flesh and blood? Is God, I mean apart from Jesus, I know the incarnation, but I mean, you know, in, before G Jesus came on the scene, they think about God, they would think about God, he is not material primarily, is he? He is spirit. <laughs> And if we are going to go and live together in the life of God for all eternity, somehow we've got to be born into that spiritual realm, isn't it? This flesh and blood, I'm afraid, is going to go into the ground one day or be burned up or cremated or whatever. Uh, we can't walk into the kingdom of God like this with or without these robes. I don't really want them, I don't think, in the kingdom of God. Uh, we get white robes of righteousness, that's rather different. Uh, but we, in order to enter that realm, we have to be born into that realm because it is a spiritual realm. So Jesus said, you shouldn't be surprised that I said, say you must be born again of the Spirit. Uh, so that's kind of how it works. Um, and we get a brief hint of what this life looks like, don't we? Um, uh, I also like this part of the verse. Uh, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone, notice again, everyone born of the Spirit. Now there's um, uh, some, not say debate really, about how much interpreted this. Uh, um, is this talking about how you're born again? Or is this talking about what it looks like once you are born again? There are subtly different translations. As is often the case, I think my, my answer to that is both and. <laughs> uh, how and where and when does somebody get born of the Spirit? 
Can we control it? Can we say, if you say this three-step prayer, you will this instant be born again? Quite often works like that, but we can't tie down the Holy Spirit like that. Sometimes people have to say a sinner's prayer or whatever you call it um, five or six times before it actually comes from their heart. And that's the moment. We had an interesting discussion at a kind of post-alpha. Uh, it just so happened we'd looked at this passage on Wednesday night. I've forgotten it was coming up today. And three or four people around the table described as best they could how and when they were born again. And I thought, oh, that's, that's very different. Oh, that's very different. <laughs> you know, and uh, one is an 11-year-old child and uh, one, uh, Boris, was as he was walking to the waking of the dawn on a Saturday morning. I hadn't heard that before. He was just sung a song, a chorus, and at that moment, he felt the Holy Spirit came into him. I thought, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> Not had that before. And uh, so, but he'd been coming for a few weeks and he probably said the prayer. Well, but you see what I'm saying? But that was the moment he knew that he got born again. So we can't control it. We can only kind of offer ourselves and move towards it because it's something that God does. It's supernatural. It's the wind. Uh, but I also like the fact because a lot of people think the religious life is quite boring. Well, religious life can be quite boring. Um, but this is not about religion, is it? It's about a relationship. Uh, and I often like to say the Christian life is a windblown life. That's what he's really saying. Once the wind comes into your life, you don't really know where he's going to blow you. And now my life is a good example of that, as you know, because uh, not within a year or two I got blown off to Africa for four years and then blown back to Sussex, then blown to Birmingham and then blown into marriage and then blown to China and then blown back to Birmingham and then blown to Wolverhampton. We have been here for 12 years, but, you know, we still get blown to an Indonesia occasionally. <laughs> so, you know what I mean. Uh, most exciting life I could possibly have imagined, beyond my imaginings, really, becoming a Christian, because it's just, you can't predict what God will do. You may just be blown around Ford houses for most of your life, but you're still a windblown life, or should be. You should be open to that wind, that direction of the Spirit, that it brings freedom and life, which is exciting when you're open to it. Well, I'm sure you're familiar with this passage. That's really uh, my brief summary of uh, the key points as to what it's all about. But what about today? Is this still just as radical, relevant? Is this a good way to uh, share the gospel with, with people? Uh, well, uh, it is good for a rather odd reason. I think it's still a good way to share the gospel because just as it was for Nicodemus and the Pharisees, this kind of way of presenting the gospel is still, what we might say, against the flow of the world. And we actually need a, ma a message of the gospel that has bite or teeth or whatever idiom you use it, that actually catches people and realises Oh, that's uncomfortable. That's against the way I might naturally go. And that's true both on the religious side and on those who don't want to be religious at all. And so, for example, uh, when Billy Graham came in the uh, 1950s, who, anybody here went to Billy Graham in the 50s or 60s or 70s? Yeah, well, quite a lot. Put your hands up, I want to count this. This is rather interesting. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. So, you know, kind of a, more than half of us went to hear that man preach the gospel. And what was his main message? You must be born again. <laughs> and at that time, um, I'm not sure what the world thought about it. Actually, you know, the world probably thought, oh, this is interesting. The church was kind of a bit ri rustled and rivaled by this. What's this American coming over preaching this message? We've got our church sorted over here. It kind of, there was a bit of that going on. The religious establishment weren't necessarily on board to begin with. Um, but it actually gave birth to 
uh, hundreds um, of people that are now church leaders in the Church of England. Um, and I interviewed many of them for my research. So that's just an example of how that's actually helped transform I don't want to say the religious landscape because I'm trying to avoid that word today. It's transformed the Christian landscape in this country, not just through him, but through that message coming afresh since the middle of the 20, 20th century. What about now? Well, uh, I don't know if I think we may have mentioned this, but uh, we probably haven't. Uh, are, you, are you aware that uh, Billy Graham's son is due to come for a similar crusade this year? Uh, Franklin Graham is booked to come to Birmingham, Newcastle, Glasgow, and several other venues. Um, and uh, he, not surprisingly, is basically coming and preaching the same message uh, that his father preached. But how is the modern world going to react? Well, I can give you one answer. This time, probably most of the religious, the Christian landscape, is very welcoming. Yes, yes, come, come, come. But the reaction in the world is completely opposite, such that to date, as far as I'm aware, uh, all eight or seven of those venues have now withdrawn their booking because the LGBT lobby has written to them all, say, we do not want this man preaching because of his stance on, on homosexuality and LGBT, which is basically, he just says, my stance is the biblical stance. It's not changed. But because of that, um, I heard that a Christian has been talking to the manager of the NIA in, uh, in Birmingham, and he said, well, yes, we did have this booking, and yes, we did have this deposit, but the pressure against me is so strong that I'm afraid to continue with this. Uh, so that's where we're at today. Um, people say there is freedom of thought and belief, but it's gone the other way, uh, that now uh, freedom is down to what certain lobby groups think is correct or not correct, and uh, they tend to rule the roost. So that is the secularist Britain that we're in today. So it's good actually to have a message, and not major necessarily on that aspect of it, but which is which is clearly biblical and kind of makes people think, what does it mean to be born again? Uh, so do, do pray about that, because he's still coming, uh, just not quite sure what's going to happen. <laughs> uh, but do, do pray into that, that, that he will have come and have the freedom to preach the gospel to thousands, and that thousands will respond. However that works out, I don't know. Um, but just bringing it down to the personal level, to you and me, and uh, here in our relationships, is this still a message that should be alive for us and one that you and I can share. The way that we share it may be different. We may not just go around knocking over the head with people saying, you must be born again. Inviting people to Alpha courses is a brilliant way because it helps them to kind of get through some of their own thoughts and, and, and questions and barriers. Uh, but that's the heart of the message there. And do pray for the Holy Spirit Day when it comes here on March 21st because that day in the Alpha course particularly is a chance for people to be born of the Spirit, really. <laughs> and filled with the Spirit. So uh, it's a key part of the course. Um, but uh, even in your own personal conversations, I would encourage you. Um, in fact, we've got a great opportunity to have some fresh training of that on 28th of March. It's in the notices. Uh, so Wolverhampton's getting the head of the whole Indian denomination, I think, is coming to give us just an hour or two, or an hour, a refresher on how to encourage your friends uh, towards knowing Jesus. So that would be a really good thing to go to. Um, it'll be in the notices. And it's in preparation for Luis Palau coming, who's been called the Billy Graham of South America, who's coming to Wolverhampton. He's probably not coming himself because he's got cancer and he's in his 80s, but he's still doing really well. But his sons will be here and uh, in West Park. So uh, uh, we should be thinking and praying. As always, there's a real season of harvest coming again. Their, their dictum is, right, choose five friends 
and pray for them every day until due. And that's always a good thing to pick that up again. I sometimes do that for a while and I forget about it. So why don't you do the same and start praying for people to come to faith? That's a great way to begin. Um, but uh, you may not be a vicar, but nevertheless, you can still gossip the gospel. So my last uh, invitation and a bit of a challenge to you is, uh, is uh, get hold of some simple concepts like this one that you can actually talk to people about. You know, and they might ask you, well, you know, how do you become a Christian? You say, well, Jesus said you must be born from above. So use something slightly different. You say, well, what on earth does that mean? You see, so you just pick something that gives you a phrase. So I said, that's, that's what makes me a Christian. So you open up a conversation about kind of supernatural things, let's put it that way. And it still challenges people today. I had a, a lovely conversation um, with a couple uh, that just been to one alpha session. They want their child baptised. And they're, they're, they're very different, both of them, the, hus the husband and the wife. Uh, and, uh, but both of them were challenged in opposite ways. I thought it was quite interesting as I kind of explained the gospel. My climax is kind of always, you need to be born of the Spirit. You need to invite Jesus to come in by the Holy Spirit to be born again to be a Christian. And that didn't happen to me till I was 20 years old. So I've been a Christian for 40 years on Tuesday, not quite, you know, not quite on Tuesday, but near enough. Um, uh, but, you know, that was like flicking a switch. For the first 20 years, I struggled with whether I was a Christian or not. Ever since 40 years ago, I know I've been a Christian every day because God does it. It's not something we do. And uh, now you may not have a clear testimony like that, but I'm sure you've got one. <laughs> um, and in this, for this couple, for example, uh, uh, Rachel on the one side was into religion. Uh, she kind of had her children baptised in another place, in Small Heath. And she, she, she said... I believe that every child should be kind of brought to God when they enter this earth so that they can be brought to God when they leave this earth. And that was kind of the way her religion works. So I really feel this baptism thing is really important. You know, not quite sure what happens in between. That doesn't really matter too much. You know, that was kind of where she was coming from. Uh, but it sets them on the right path. And, you know, I'm okay with that as long as you have something very important in between. That as they rightly agreed that people that are baptised that then get no concept and understanding of Jesus or Christianity can't really be, it's not magic to make somebody a Christian by baptism just because they're baptised as an infant. So with a bit of cajoling, she's come round to the idea that, yeah, okay, we'll do a Thanksgiving for now. But they're still going to explore the Christian faith where, where they can. Um, we may need a bit more help with the children, Ruth and Alpha, because they've got four children and they may bring them. But they're willing to give it a go. We'll, we'll talk about that. So, um, uh, Whereas her husband... Um, he was kind of, yeah, since that Alpha course, I've been getting the Bible app and I've been reading it and it's really interesting. And his first reaction as soon as I said, yep, I think everybody's got a spark of the spirit in them. We're all spiritual beings, you know, and I think it's all very exciting. So he's what I would call new age. And that's quite common. He's kind of spiritual. He's open to spirituality, but it's kind of, it's all out there. And he's got it. It's all just, you know, just find our way. But by the time we finished, I could see he was thinking, mm, OK, yeah, I need to read a bit more about this. And what does the Gospels really say? Uh, so uh, start where people are at, but see how you can lovingly and gently challenge them in your conversations. If you don't get very far, I say, well, if you want to know a bit more, uh, come along to an alpha or come along to church on a Sunday morning or whatever it might be. Come and see. So the Gospel, I believe, is very much alive today and it needs to be at the heart of our thinking. And if we keep it there, we will find as we pray and witness one by one, anyone whomsoever believes will receive eternal life and join our growing family and be with us forever. So let us pray.